Good afternoon. Welcome to the Bacon of Life podcast. We are here for another episode of Tell It Tuesdays, our mini testimony series. We have a special guest today, youth pastor Jeremy Vorce. How's it going, guys? How you doing? So, we got to read your rights on Tell It Tuesday. Obviously, the fans know, and now you must know. <laughs> you are now entering the belly of the booth. Anything you say can <laughs> and will be used for the making of this podcast. Do you agree? I, I totally agree. I'm excited for this. Okay, without further ado, welcome, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Jeremy Vorce, Pastor Jeremy Vorce here. So the question we always like to ask on Tell It Tuesdays, maybe I told you what it was, maybe I didn't. So, and you're going to freestyle from I'm, here. I'm a little scared. Oh, boy. <laughs> what is God doing in your life? What is God doing in my life? That's a phenomenal question. Um... The big thing God's been working on me is I can't do it all. And my personality style is one that I hate asking for help. I hate admitting I can't do it. Uh, but coming to that realization in a lot of ways is very freeing also to just be like, nope, I, I can't do it all. That mm. first and foremost, like in and of my own power, I can't do anything. That it's only... Christ who, who does, does any good work in me, mm -hmm. uh, but then also God has given us people in our lives to come alongside of us, to bless us in ways, and um, when you mm -hmm. allow God to work through other people in your life, uh, you just see amazing things happen, so that, that's been the big thing God's been wow. working on me. Uh, wow. Any examples of that? Like, any examples yeah. of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, um, uh, I'm loving what so, you're saying. Yeah. Well, kind of the biggest example of it is uh, over the last year, we did this major renovation in our youth room of transforming it from our church's old uh, worship center to now a, a real youth room. And uh, I kind of had a vision in my mind of what it could look like. Uh, and we had this one key volunteer, Rich, who uh, really was able to take this kind of crazy vision I had and put it to life. And he mm -hmm. donated uh, hundreds of hours of his time mm -hmm. to, to make it a reality. And uh, now just seeing students in that room that like, yeah, I, I can do basic home repairs. I can put up some drywall, <laughs> some paint, yeah. but what he did in there, it, it's just fantastic. I could never have done it. And so. Mm. Oh. Yeah, that was a huge blessing. Uh, to the church to have him yeah yeah so start us from the beginning a little bit how'd you how'd you come to know the lord yeah, yeah my my, my faith story uh so i grew up in a christian home my parents were always heavily involved in church uh we i would make the joke that uh we were that family that was first to show up to set up chairs and tables and literally the last ones to leave because my dad had the keys to the building so we would lock up at night um, your dad was a pastor no, he was a head trustee member. My mom was on the Deaconess uh, board and okay. stuff. Uh, and then my mom also worked at a school connected to our church. And uh, in middle school, I actually attended that school. Um, wow. And so it wasn't uncommon that uh, seven days a week for over eight hours a day, I was at church. 
Um, so um, church was always a huge part of my life. He's born um, to be a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Predestined. Uh, no, we're not getting into that debate right now. Um, no, but uh, literally, I like I can remember maybe a handful of times throughout my uh, elementary and uh, youth days uh, of not being in church. Um, that uh, it was a very seldom thing. Um, but it really made the priority in our family church that there wasn't ever really even a question of um, if church was something we did. But um, it was even beyond that. But that's where our community was. My parents were heavily involved. Uh, they were uh, leading Bible studies and stuff. So we were always having people from the church over our house. My closest friends were church friends. Um, and, and so it wasn't just something we did it was a major part of my life and so uh, through my um, elementary and high school years and stuff uh, got involved in youth group um, and by the time I was um, a junior or senior in high school I was actually a part of about five different youth, youth groups and I was helping lead wow. three of those youth groups uh, as a student leader um, so um, Again, it, it was because I, I just loved doing that. And uh, I had a youth pastor my junior year um, that really took me under his wing. And I, I really wanted to help him in his role as our new youth pastor. And he really just ate it up uh, and poured so many hours into me. And um, he was the one that first suggested, uh, hey, have you thought of doing this as a career? And, Wow. Uh, as wow. a 16 year old I was like wait you can get paid to do this like <laughs> play basketball eat pizza and talk about Jesus yes sign me up um, and so uh, my senior year I started thinking through of um, alright wh where can I go to school to study youth ministry and um, the selections were few and so uh, I, I chose Gordon College uh, I ended up going there for uh a Bachelor of Arts in Youth Ministry and minor in Biblical Studies. Uh, it was through there that I ended up meeting my wife um, oh, wow. my, my junior wow. year. Um, what was her major? So she wasn't actually a student there. Um, <laughs> it was a weird thing that uh, a friend of mine married her sister. Um, and so when the three of us started hanging out, she was like, oh, who, who's this new guy that you're hanging out with? And, uh, so my now sister-in-law was like, oh, you won't like him. He's not really your type. Uh, and so she claims <laughs> that it was reverse psychology. I think at the time she really thought that uh, me and Sam wouldn't get along. But um, yeah, things, sparks flew. And a uh, few months later, we got engaged. And uh, about a year after that, we got married. And so uh, I went to go find a youth pastor job and uh, the first church I worked at, um, full time, um, I it really wasn't a great fit for me, uh, to be honest. Um, just uh, the, the style of the church and uh, the community that I was part of uh, just didn't really feel like a home church. Uh, Are for you similar. from Connecticut, or was your church somewhere? No, else? so I grew up in Southern New Hampshire. Um, oh, and oh, wow! Okay. Sam grew up in Northern Vermont, and so. Uh, this church that I, I worked at um, was in Fairfield, Connecticut, and so oh. both of us were like, mm -hmm. oh, it's still New England, like, 
Yeah. Sure, but uh, Fairfield, Connecticut is a different place. <laughs> um, yeah. it uh, is, I'm not from Connecticut. Uh, so the one percenters of the world, that, that's Fairfield County. Oh. Right there. It, it's Greenwich. It's, Money. Um, so, which um, was just not what Sam and I were, were used to. Um, but Sam and I both really felt God had put us there for a time and a reason, and because of that, uh, we made the hard decision a few months in that I wasn't going to seek out a- another place. That uh, if God really wanted us to be somewhere else, he would have to make it clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a huge trust thing because um, my wife and I didn't really feel like we had a great support system there. We really felt like it was just us. Um, and so it was kind of scary to, to say to God, all right, I'm not going to actively seek out anything else. Um, and through multiple different situations, it became so rough that I actually took my vacation time, uh, to go work at Camp Berea up in New Hampshire. Camp Berea is somewhere I, I worked, uh, my summers since I was in high school, uh, had great relationships up there and I wanted to just be at a ministry that I knew that was thriving. Um, and so during my vacation time there, I, um, really confided in two individuals um, about my situation. One was Nate Parks, the director, um, who was a huge um, mentor of mine, uh, really also took me under his wing, poured a ton of just knowledge on me. Mm. Uh, and one was a peer of mine, uh, Julia Vitali, who her and I had worked at Berea several summers and uh, came kind of venting partners and just kind of walking through life together. Mm-hmm. And so... Both of them that week, I, I really just shared my heart of like, I feel like this isn't a long-term place for me, but I, I don't want to actively seek out anything else. Um, little did I know, uh, at that very week, Groton Bible Chapel was looking for a new youth pastor um, and really had exhausted all their internal candidates of people that have come up through the ministry through the years. And uh, it was that week that they were starting to think, outside their GBC bubble. Um, And so the two people that uh, they, of course, contacted were Nate Parks and Gary Campbell, our lead pastor, contacted Nate Parks, who was a buddy of his. And Frank Vitale at the time was our executive pastor, so he reached out to his daughter, Julia, and both of them were like, I know exactly who you need to call. (laughs) Um, And it was just such a God thing because I had known about GBC uh, my whole life. I had lots of friends who worked at Berea, who were, I was very well connected with, um, and kind of in a cool God sense of humor type way. Um, my great-grandparents were heavily involved in this church. Um, wow. My great-grandfather wow. was an elder. My grandparents grew up in this church. My mom grew up in this church as her church. My parents wow, got married in our sanctuary, which now I've transformed to this youth room, and, and so um, when I got this cold call of Frank Vitale being like, hey, we're interested in a youth pastor, we hear you, you're you interested in being a youth pastor somewhere else, I was like, Frank, you have to understand, GBC is one of like maybe two places in the entire world that could cold call me and be like, hey, we might have a job for you, and I would even entertain it. Um <laughs> And so through the whole process, uh, my wife and I both were like, all right, like, until they offer us a job, like, God still has us here in Fairfield for a time and a reason. And uh, through the whole ap- 
location process and interviews, we just felt so welcomed here and, and really mm-hmm. part of the family. And um, this is now year seven I've been here, and, and wow. so wow. Um, it's just in the game. been really awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of the the Jeremy Vorce story right there. Yeah. So, so tell our viewers about uh, Camp Camp Bria, and uh, we will also put a link in the description for Camp Bria because there are some very awesome programs over there. If you are up up here in the Northeast, we definitely recommend it. Yeah, Bria yeah. has a, a special place in my heart. Um, that again, it's kind of a lineage type thing. My grandfather uh, directed boys camp there for decades, and my grandmother worked in the bookstore for such a long time. Uh, my mom grew up going to camp. My sisters and I grew up going to camp. I worked at camp. Uh, the first year I worked at camp, I was only 15 and a half, which Thinking back on it now, working with 15-year-olds, I was like, man, they were stupid ever hiring me. What were they thinking? Oh, but um, somehow I didn't get fired or anything. And in fact, I, I worked there the next summer at 16. Uh, I worked there at 18, 19, and 21. Wow. Um, and wow. so, um, and I really like worked my way up through the ranks, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. I started out just cleaning toilets and fixing broken chairs and stuff on maintenance. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And then I ended up becoming a lifeguard, did some counseling. And then uh, my last two years, I was on a, their program staff, um, running games, doing skits and activities and stuff. And, wow. Um, stayed heavily connected with camp. Um, and even... Uh, most recently camp has been a huge resource to me through COVID. Uh, they've been doing these programs called, uh, the youth pastor huddles, uh, that we meet on zoom on Thursdays. Um, and just a a chance for youth workers and youth pastors, um, to really get poured into, uh, we do a lot of pouring out in our jobs and, uh, Mm -hmm. don't do a great job of getting poured into ourselves. Mm. Um, and so this has really become a community uh, that I've really felt poured into, uh, and that's something that camp has uh, created and, and established uh, for youth workers to get involved in. And now there's several of us uh, that are involved in text threads um, that we pray for each other daily and um, wow. just have that community um, throughout New England. So it's been super awesome. And yeah, we've taken kids to deep freeze um, for as long as I can remember, uh, we, we've done summer camps with them. Uh, mm. our church sends guys to man camp girls. So women's retreat, uh, this year we're doing, uh, the father son weekend and mother daughter weekends and stuff. And so, um, it's just been a, a great resource for, uh, our church. Wow. You know, it, because, uh, you know, you stepping into this role of youth pastor. For those who are listening, we actually work for Jeremy, so... Yeah. <laughs> work alongside. Sorry, yeah, work, work alongside, alongside. for Jeremy. Yeah. Um, just one thing is that, you know, you probably see a array of kids that come into, your you know, the youth group and the youth. What, what are the top three things, I guess, if you were to say that, hey, you would like it if every youth group student or every, you know, student in the youth would like to leave, like, because obviously they're going to graduate from high school, going mm-hmm. to college, going to mm-hmm. career. Um, what are the three top things you would love to see 
and all of your students? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the first and foremost, I want every kid that comes through our program to know God loves them. Um, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what their past is, what things they've done. It doesn't matter how good they think they are or how bad they think they are. Uh, I want them to know they have a God who is just completely obsessed with them to the point that he gave up everything, leaving his throne, coming down to earth, mm-hmm. being as pathetic as we are as yeah. humans, uh, lowered himself to that standard and then still humbling himself to death on a cross so that we could have a relationship with him. Amen. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's my main goal is that kids will just see that. Um, second thing is I want them to know uh, that they have people here that care about them. Um, one of the, the thing that we talk about in uh, GBC Youth is uh, we really feel like we're called to come alongside students as they journey through adolescence. Uh, we don't want to just be people that stand in front of them, tell them what they should be doing, uh, but we really want to walk alongside them on that journey um, and feel cared for, not just talk to about issues. Um, and one of the best telling signs of this is um, that they come back after graduation, that they have people that they text when they get questioned about their faith or when Mm -hmm. uh, a new hot button topic comes up and they reach out to an old youth leader like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Um, Even a few weeks ago, uh, I had a previous student reach out to me and she was like, hey, can I talk about this boy who I'm interested in dating? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this boy. Tell yeah. me about him. Um, and I, I like interrogated him basically uh, and, and to see if he was a good a fit good for her. Yeah. Um, and that spoke volumes that she felt comfortable still talking to her old youth pastor about that. Uh, so number two is that they feel cared for, not just in their time in youth men, uh, but really as a person. Um, and the third thing I, I want, uh, and this is really beyond just our our youth, but, um, parents, leaders, everyone to know that Christianity is not, uh, once you accept God, like you finish the race, that it's a journey that each of us are on this journey, moving closer to Christ. And, uh, for some of us, that journey is, um, really realizing that he is our savior. For some of us, it's that journey of realizing that he wants to be our friend. Uh, and for mm. some of us, it, it's that now we have something to do that we can't just say, all right, I'm a Christian. I've said a prayer. God's forgiven me of my sin. I, I'm good. And I'm aimless. Just put my hands up uh, that God actually has a call on our lives. Uh, and, and so really getting people to realize. So first, God loves them. Second, they're cared for. And third, they got to keep going. Um, that, um, so if if through the ministry, we could achieve that, that that's the dream right there. Amen. So what do you see coming up in your life over the next few years? Like, is God moving you to possibly like a different church or is he maybe moving you to a different role or, or do do you feel like he's going to have you stay in this position for a while and grow? Yeah, um, so the the stereotypical youth pastor 
uh, normally as a youth pastor, uh, well, the nationwide average right now is a year to 18 months. Uh, is wow. this is the this state? Uh, yeah, that the average state of a youth pastor at a church is a year to 18 months. Um, you beat that by seven. Yeah. <laughs> seven times over. So, um, wow. so yeah, and that's by the grace of God that uh, I'm still here. And, um, and oh some of that's due to people feel called to other stuff. Some of that's due to uh, bad church relationships. Some of that's due to... Some Good. guys and girls go into youth ministry as a stepping stone uh, and mm-hmm. thinking, all right, if I pay my dues in youth ministry, then I can be a real pastor. Right, um, and so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I never went into youth ministry, though, um, ever wanting to be a quote-unquote real pastor. Uh, in fact, um, even when I came on board, I was talking to our lead pastor, Gary, about this, and he chuckled because he was the same way. He was like, uh, he, he remembers having... Um, real arguments about uh, that he didn't want to be the next lead pastor. He wanted to do youth men, and he had guys really calling him out and like, no, God is putting this on our heart to to show you that you are called to be the next lead pastor. And uh, it took some wow. kicking and screaming wow. on his end, but uh, <laughs> wow. so um, I, I I've joked though that. Uh, God would really have to write it on the walls uh, for me to leave youth ministry. And even if he wrote it on the walls, I'd be like, God, am I sure that's you? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. show, show me again. Yeah, <laughs> um, me. But uh, no, I, I would love to do youth ministry for the rest of my life. Um, unfortunately, I know that's probably not the case. Uh, there's not many old men youth pastors out there. Um, some guys do it. Uh, there, there are several guys uh, in their 50s and stuff that are rocking youth ministry. Um, but, yeah, I don't really know what that next God has for me. Yeah. Um, and so um, it, it's something uh, I'm starting to pray over and starting to think through. And uh, even as staff, Gary's encouraging all of us um, to really think through a 5, 10, 15-year plan and mm-hmm. um, not only for us individually, but for our ministries and where the church is going and yeah, stuff. Sure. So, um, yeah. so yeah, well, God knows what's next. Um, yeah. He just hasn't revealed it to any of us yet. So yeah, yeah it's crazy because you know we're, we're salary men, and uh, you know it's funny how like you know we normally have to come up with five year plans and yeah. benchmarks to check in with our bosses. I just think that's pretty interesting. Pastors are also doing it too. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, but. I guess one thing I do want to ask, I guess for for the viewer who's listening, right? What, yeah. what would you say to someone that's considering doing youth ministry in their church, considering potentially going and becoming a youth pastor? What, what would you have to say to him? You know. Uh, yeah. Um. So it's probably not the answer you want, but uh, I'm gonna quote uh, James, the brother of Jesus here. James chapter three one says, "Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that he who teaches will be judged more strictly." Um, sometimes ministry life can seem like this glamorous thing. Um, like, yeah, it, it's great to get paid to play basketball and eat pizza and tell kids about Jesus. Yeah, it is phenomenal, um, but it's also tough. Um, you really got to consider uh, that you are being put in charge of the spiritual well-being uh, of these hundreds of kids. Um, and I, I was talking to a few students a few weeks ago, um, 
this isn't necessarily biblical or canon or anything like that. Uh, but me and a friend were talking about of what if on Judgment Day, God had two groups of people, one on his left, one on his right. And uh, he pointed to the people on his right and he said, Jeremy, these are the people that because of what you've done, because of the, the witness you've had, mm. because of the conversations, they've come to know me. How, how great that would be to just get an idea of the impact you've seen. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But then God turns to the other side and he's like, these people over here are the people you led astray by what you said, by what wow. you did. And the gut wrench of that, of just thinking it's through hard. that our words, our actions. And so James here tells us that we will be judged more strictly because um, when I go up there and I, and I give a talk, um, kids are going to take that. And not, not to put myself on a pedestal or anything like that because true. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just a depraved, sinful person that deserves an eternity in hell. And it's only through God's grace that I will ever get a chance uh, of seeing him face to face. But um, yeah, and it goes beyond just us in ministry that all of us, uh, this, this count of the cross, we, we don't take that into consideration often. Um, and so the people that view ministry as this easy, just like play games, hang out That's with teenagers. Um, yeah, there's those times, but there's also, uh, a lot of spiritual weight, but then also a lot of hard conversations. Teenagers go through a ton in being able to walk with that, through that with them. Um, one of the, the most challenging uh, moments for me was I got a phone call at 2 a.m. from a police officer of, we have one of your students here, his brother just OD'd, uh, and they Ooh. want you to be here with the family. And 2 a.m., Jeremy was like, you got to repeat that to me because I, I'm not I ready for this. Yeah. Um, and I remember driving over just feeling so unequipped so unprepared for that moment of how do I, how do I just show God's love to this family who is devastated right now? And yeah, it, you have moments like that. Uh, there's also fantastic moments. I love when I'm giving a talk uh, and you just see the Holy Spirit working in kids' life and uh, you can almost literally see the light bulb click in their head. I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. God loves me? What? <laughs> um, and, and just the noticeable change. So there's awesome moments. There's hard moments. Um, but yeah, so if, if you're really considering going into ministry, uh, know that the cost of it. Um, that there's a ton of fun games, but there's also a lot of hard moments. There's a lot of hard conversations. But they're worth it. Uh, one of the things I've told a number of students is, I love you too much not to have a hard conversation with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it would be really easy to just be about fun and games. It'd be really easy to just be about the cool atmosphere. and um, But to be willing to have those tough conversations that when you know a kid's messing up, calling out and being like, hey, what are you doing about this? Hey, what, what are you doing when no one's looking? What are you thinking about this? And, and really walking through that with them. Um, mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so, so to, to kind of close up here, um, 
what are what are some what are a few encouraging thoughts you might have like for the for the viewers for the listeners? Because you know everybody listens to the baby yeah. fly. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> some encouraging thoughts. So uh, I saw this online the other day. Uh, it was actually my great my grandmother in law posted something of sometimes God shows up and it's awesome. And I and I pause <laughs> and I look at, at that and I was like, no. God always shows up. Sometimes we just give him credit for it. And either way, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah. so, yeah, that, that's that been something I've been really thinking through lately. Of uh, God's always working. Whether it, it's a tough season, a great season, and giving God credit uh, makes life so much better. Um, so... Whether you're in a season right now that just absolutely sucks, and sometimes it's okay to say that, that what you're going through sucks. Uh, mm. I, I feel like Christians, we do a bad job at saying that, because we always do the quick Christian cliches of like, it sucks, but God's still good. It's like, that, that's 100% true, but it still sucks. Yeah. Um, so maybe you're in a moment that life sucks. That sucks. It's okay that it sucks. It doesn't mean God's not doing something. Mm. And maybe you're in a, a season, you just got your $1,400 from the government. Life is grand right now. God's still working. God's still working. Give God credit um, that in all things, we are called to glorify God through the hard times, through the great times. When you're more mindful of that, you become a lot more appreciative of what God is doing. Amen. Amen. Jeremy, you want to pray us out? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Dear Lord, I, I pray for uh, my brothers here, Tony and Joey. Lord, I pray for the viewer um, or listener, um, God, that you know exactly what they're going through. You know what happened uh, just a few hours ago. You know what happened last week. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and God, I, I pray that you remind us that you are still in control. That whether it's the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, that you are still in control. And God, uh, like I, I said for our, our students, Lord, I pray that viewers will just get a glimpse of how much you are crazy about them, God. How obsessed you are about these viewers, God. That you gave everything to have a chance of being in a relationship with them. Lord, mm. I, I pray that they'll know that there are people that truly care about them. That want to come alongside them. And Lord, if they haven't found those people yet, to go to their church. To talk to people and say, hey, I want to be more involved. I want to be more plugged in. And that, Lord, through it, we can bring you 100% of the glory. Lord, I, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this podcast to just be a, a bright light in a dark world. And Lord, I pray that you give us all a great rest of the day so that we can continue glorifying you. Praise your name. Amen. 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 Guys, obviously, if you like, dislike, or whatever, please share this podcast. We're praying for you. And again, we're going to shoot out the link in the description box for Berea, our church. 
and the Instagram for GBC Youth, right? GBC Youth, follow yeah, us. Follow us on Instagram. Give me your shout out. Yeah. C- comment on the uh, podcast as well if you if let us know some, if if you were encouraged by it or what your thoughts are. So, thank you for coming on the show, Pastor Jeremy. Boys, thank you very much for having me. This was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. With that, that's right. Have a great day, guys.